Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, I'm Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on and let's dive in. How the devil are you? Yes, we are back. Uh, and I'm back in in my house. I'm very tired. I'm very tired. Why 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 are you tired, Craig? What what have you been doing? Today I drove a seven and a half hour round trip. I can't tell you anything else. But you you're gonna find out. And you're gonna find out in the final ever episode about what I was doing today. So uh, speaking of that, let me tell you how it's going to play out over the next few weeks. So uh, this week we're back with another episode and I'm going to reveal all in a few seconds. Then next week we're going to have two episodes in one week. And I'm frantically trying to fill uh, the last guest. I've nearly recorded everything. One of my guests has sadly had uh, to drop out uh, today. So I'm going to um, record another episode uh, as soon as I can I can fill that space. And then the final ever episode will be going out on January the 1st. Let's get Christmas out of the way. No one's going to be listening to podcasts. You're going to be with the family. You're going to be with friends, with loved ones, eating, drinking, watching telly. Maybe, uh, like me, Christmas morning, you'll be uh, jumping in the sea and going for a swim. Or maybe not. Who knows? Um, So that's how it's going to work. Does that sound all right? That sounds okay. Yeah? Good. So, before we get to today's episode, thank you so much for for all the lovely messages, really, and great response to the brilliant Neil Forsyth last week. What a character. Um, stories for days, just genuinely really good company. And that's what these next, these next, these last episodes are all about, spending time with great people. And keeping the ethos of the podcast is you getting to know somebody. And I think you really did. And you're going to get that this week because we welcome the incredible actor, Mr. Warren Brown. You're going to know Warren from so many things. You'll know him from Occupation. You'll know him from The Responder. He was fantastic in that. Um recently he's been on £10 Poms, leading the show, which I believe he won a Best Actor Award for. But you're going to know him from Luther with Idris Elba. He played an iconic role in that, and we do touch on that in this episode. So um, the other week, I jumped on a train, 
and I went round to Warren's house and he picked me up from the train station and it was just lovely to see him and uh, we got the kettle on and we got down to it. So this is the beginning of the end of the Two Shot Podcast and this week it's Mr. Warren Brown. Enjoy, I'll see you at the end. So as we trundle towards the finish line of six years of conversation with the Two Shot Podcast, uh, it's a privilege to sit down with a very lovely man. It's Mr. Warren Brown. Good morning. Good afternoon. Is it morning? Is it afternoon? Who knows, Warren? Here we are. You've welcomed me into your home here, uh, just outside of London. It's lovely to see you, mate. Lovely to see you, mate. How's Um, things? Things are all right, and... uh... I can't believe it, as you say, coming six years. I remember having conversations with you when you had just started. Well, it's taken me about five and a half to get you on. <laughs> <laughs> I think what happened, I think I was, just, I was away a lot. I think every time you had a, a space, I was out the country filming. Yeah. And then there was a minute, I think it might have been around the Corona coaster time when you were like, oh, I've got space and I was back at home, but... Uh, I think like a lot of people was going through it a bit and I'm like, that, that won't, this won't make for a good, uh, no. a good podcast. No. Um, and I think over, over the sort of six year period, you know, I was talking to you before we started rolling the podcast games changed so much and people feel that they can talk a bit more now and they can be open, but they can also talk about the career. If I'm talking to actors and, you know, I've just been talking to a brilliant writer this morning. He was talking about the vulnerability that he felt about showing scripts to people, even though he'd been writing since he was 13, it took him till quite a major event in his life to have the confidence to pass something over. So, you know, it does take time, even though, you know, we're friends outside of the podcast sphere (laughs) but still it when do you get to sit down which is a whole reason why i started in the first place when do you get to sit down with one person one-on-one one-on-one and sort of direct the the conversation towards that other person it doesn't really happen you know what it's like on set as well because you get the downtime you get a 15 minute 20 minute light and change and you it's quite frivolous talk it's integral to yeah. what you get, yeah. what's going on because you don't get deep and meaningful chats on set, do you? Well, I had a minute to like kind of getting ready to this, and you know, you do interviews for particular jobs, and you end up, you know, pr- promoting shows that you're doing, and yeah. you do like the same interview over and over, and you're trying to find new ways to say the same shit <laughs> from the <laughs> same question. And um, I don't know, you always get nervous as well, going right. You've got to sound this, and you've got to like put pressure on you to to be something. Um, and even this today, you're like, oh, I've, you know, this is one of my favorite podcasts and I've listened to it and it, it's been brilliant. And there's so many brilliant people come on and talk about stuff and talk about the industry and talk about the things that you go on. And I think certainly for us in our industry, listening to it, and I know it's not only people in the business that's listened to it, yeah. to hear people also, you know, going through similar things or having similar, I guess, fears about the business and, and experiences, um, and then just going, well, listen, it's, it's a sit-down chat with a mate. There's no, you can't prepare anything because you don't know what you're going to talk about. No, so exactly. Just but, uh, have a chat. But even when I'm... And the amount of people that I have spoken to who I met just before we hit record far outweighs friends who've been on this podcast. Yeah. But obviously it started out there with Vicky because I didn't know what 
the fuck I was doing at all. And Vicky hadn't really, Vicky hadn't done a podcast before either. So we were both virgins to it. But it does really help because there were things that came out in that conversation as with, you know, you look at Neil Morrissey, for instance, mm. who I've known for years, things that came out in that conversation that you didn't know. So that's, that's a sort of nugget of gold from a friendship perspective that you get to have a bit more time one-on-one with a friend because usually it just doesn't happen like yeah. that. I think it might also come down to stuff and probably get into this, but kind of like, getting into this kind of business by accident and and in the past or, you know, you think, oh, actually, am I over it? Am I not? Imposter syndrome and thinking like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. And, and for years still saying, oh, I got into it by accident or keep getting, you know, get asked how you got into it. And it was like, oh, it's by accident. But it's like, it's 20 years now. So you would hope that that accident, I would hope that I've put the work in and you know what you're doing. And um, I even remember, you know, coming to London for the first time and when was that? agents. Uh, when I moved down, I think in 2009, um, just kind of got to, you know, I'd been doing little, little bit of stuff in, in Manchester, bits of theatre, just started doing bits of TV. And I guess like, like everyone, when they start, you know, absolutely nothing at the start and you're trying to learn about the business. You're trying to learn the craft. You're trying to learn the, uh, how the business side of it works and where you want to get. And, you know, initially you're just saying, you've got to say yes to everything because you need the experience. But then as you start getting little bits of experience, you're like, right, well, I want to try and do this. And then you have to start looking, right, well, am I only doing work in Manchester? And I think I'd been coming down for for auditions and had a few mates down here. And I was like, right, I'll just uh, come down for, let's, let's try six months and see see what happens. Yeah. And uh, that was, yeah, many years ago. Didn't didn't go back, but I think well, you hear, don't you, that's like, if you don't, if you don't last the six months, then right, it's not for you. But if you go over six months, it's got you. And then, yeah, but you know, a part of that isn't true, is it? Because you know, you hear people that just graft and graft for ages, and then all of a sudden they get that break at, at such a late age, even though they've been doing bits and bobs here and there. Yeah, still waiting, still waiting for my break. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll get that one. You're fine. But you touched upon Manchester and the Northwest there, so I think that's probably where we should start yep. in Warrington. Yep. Which obviously we have that connection because I lived in Warrington when I was young. Do you, do you know? Wait a minute. I, I, I have. I have. Why have we not had this conversation? I, I think we have had this conversation very briefly. We may, we may have had a drink. Um, I moved. My dad moved around with work, and we had to move to Warrington when I was. Six or seven? Whereabouts? I can't remember. I just remember Eileen Bilton. Remember I call Eileen Bilton? Yeah. Yeah. I just remember that. And we didn't live there very long. It was less than three years because my mum really didn't like it. So we moved back to Blackpool. That's that's the answer. I know. know. (laughs) But I think when, certainly, we were talking before about sort of uh, friends and family, and I think because my mum was there and my dad was at work and he was meeting new people at work and friends and my mum didn't know anybody at all. So I think she felt quite isolated, especially with two young children there. So I think that was one of the main reasons. Back. But that, yeah, that's uh, that's my Warrington connection. Magic, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I grew up in Warrington. My Both parents are from Manchester. And I think 
well, I guess in in kind of the late seventies, Warrington was, I think it was being it was built. It was being built, lot, yeah, around was, that time. Yeah. And, uh, it was kind of like a spillover place, and if you go there now, it's either people from Manchester and Liverpool because it's bang in the middle that were moving, you know, starting their lives. And um, yeah, so my parents moved to to Warrington, and yeah, I was born. 19. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we've all read the it's fine. I can still play 35. <laughs> I'm 47 and proud, Warren. Just come on, come on my train, it's fine. Um, so yeah, yeah, what Warrington, that's where that's where I, I grew up. Uh, Is it just you and your mum and dad's one? Uh, I've got a sister, younger sister, uh, Natalie, um, and they're still up there. Um, and I get, yeah, loads of my friends who I grew up with, um, don't go up as much as I'd like, although, well, the last, the last few months I've actually been doing a couple of jobs in Liverpool and driving up. So that's been nice that I've been able to, uh, nip across. I say nice, actually one of, one of the phone calls as I was going up, um, a few weeks back, just driving past Warrington on the way to Liverpool and, um, got a phone call and my dad had been taken into hospital and he's um not been particularly well the last few years he's been he's in a home full time and um yeah we we went to the hospital and initially they said he's not going to see the week out so we were uh getting our head round round that it was going to be it was his birthday at the end of the week right um so he God, I've gone all. He's still. He's all right. He's still here. Yeah, he's still, <laughs> he's still, still with here. Us. Um, yeah, the spot for him. Yeah, they they told we were obviously trying to get our head around that that this might be it. And then uh, anyway, then the next thing he's kind of still here a week later at his sixty eighth birthday in in the hospital. Still here a few weeks later. I think it's been like five coming up five six weeks now, and he's pretty stable and looking like he's going to get out and go back to a home, not not the home that he was in, but. Um, yeah, so that, not, how did I start that with saying it? It was nice. Not nice, but obviously I was able to be up there and obviously working in Liverpool, able to nip back in two. Um, but yeah, the first day, or I stayed at my mum's and was due in work the next day and it was like, uh, and they were right at the end of their schedule, so it's not like you can do pickups. Yeah. And he was, it was literally the last scene I had on that, so... Um, he was stable-ish and my mum and sister were like, listen, just if you need to go, just go and do it. So he's like, right, I'll, I'll go. And, uh, it's a very, of all, of all places, the, uh, the last scene that we shot on this particular job was in a hospital. Oh, so, right. so, um, and then got back. Yeah. Then was, like I said, at a couple of weeks where I was, um, just staying at my mum's and in and out of the hospital every day. And then, then back on this other job. Um, but obviously up there trying to be as supportive as you can for... Yeah, yeah. Sister. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's very tricky when big problems in our, in our life, in our real life, sort of bleed into our working life because it's not... Because it sounds heartless then that you can't just well like I can't I can't not go to work because I need to be my priority would be with my family yeah but it's not like you can put off that roofing job and say look I'm really sorry something 
something terrible's yeah. happened and, and we have to we have to pull out or we have to rearrange for next week there's so many other people that are relying we're we're a tiny part of, yeah. of the machine yeah. that's that's making this television program or whatever it may be um so how how do you deal with things like how do you sort of compartmentalize that still trying to figure that out i think um it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I know in the in the past you'd have mates or and listen, this job I love it, and but to the detriment of many many things in in you, in my personal life over the years, and you know people will say, oh, I'm getting married next year, can you come? And you're like, uh, I can't. It's so difficult to plan, as you know, you can't plan. Yeah. Next week, anything can change, and you know, so many people certainly not in the industry are like, well, I'm, I'm giving you a year's notice now. And you're like, I don't know what that looks like. And you know, I've, it would be so much better if you gave me two weeks. Notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just let me know. And, but that's what, you know, some, it's like holidays, isn't it? You have to book, you just have to go when you've got the, got the yeah. thing. And I've, you know, I've missed, uh, missed weddings, missed funerals, missed parties, missed, you know, missed things that I should have been at through this job. And it's, uh, it, it's hard, isn't it? Because, it is, but I've, I think over the years, certainly once I've got into my forties, I've learned the you know the power of certainly saying no mm-hmm. to things. It is a positive way forward because you know you know what it's like when we're in our twenties. We're eating it all. It's yeah. yes, yes, yes. Please, please, please. Because I want to learn. I need the knowledge, and also I want people to know what I can do, and I want to learn. What's what's the name of that guy that works behind the camera there? What yeah. does he do? What's this? Yeah. You're like you are like a like a big kid. Yeah. But the more you're slightly I mean, never totally stable, but the more stable that you are to say no to things is important. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of a slightly off um because yeah, as you say, and I, I do remember first starting out and just going, Yes, 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 and it doesn't matter what it is, and then the first time that you're actually able to go, oh, hang on, I'll have to think about this one, rather than just going yes and, and yeah, no is one of the only things that the power you've got, is Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, the first time going, actually, no, I, I thought it was going to pan out like this, but actually I'd rather try and do try and go down this route and it might be trickier, but actually then going, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And, yeah. Um, yeah, there is something, there's, 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 that's, yeah, there's a power in... in Actually, Especially if you're being pushed into what you would conceive to be the safer option. And I'm talking about sort of work now, I'm talking yeah. about certain characters, because certainly if you've played a certain type that people would know you for or you would be recognised, uh, I'm not just talking about people on the street, I'm talking about obviously people in the industry who, um, who would be casting things or certain directors who would want you for things if you feel that you've played that part once or a version of mm. it to say no and then because the safest work the safest thing would be to go yeah well i'll do it because it work yeah but the braver option would be to go do you know what i don't know what's behind door b at the moment yeah but if i go through door a how will i feel about myself yeah I, and that exact thing and that was kind of a massive I guess a turning point or as I said, you know, first starting off and uh, just doing little bits and doing little bits and then, um, you know, didn't go to drama school. And I, I kind of consider, I did a, you, we talk about work or you don't talk about work? You do, we talk about we everything. Talk about, we talk about everything now. Yeah. Um, 
I consider like I did six months on Hollyoaks and that was my drama school because that was the first time, you know, I'd done Shameless, I'd done a few little things, but that was every single day doing it. Um, and I just, yeah, learned, learned so much doing that and then kind of left there. I remember I was actually at this conversation. It's just got a pinball, but that's fine, isn't it? Absolutely, it's how it should be. I remember, um, yeah, didn't go to drama school. Well, I didn't get into drama school. And I, mem- I auditioned for Salford University for a, a performing arts degree. Um, so I went there and I thought, you know, kind of considered that, yes, it's not drama school, but it's at least doing something along those lines. Of, yeah. Um, and I did two years and then the Hollyoaks job came up and I remember like been doing acting classes and stuff like that outside of, cause for me it was, you know, you're doing, and it was a bit older when I went, um, but it was like, you know, three and a half days. And I guess so many people were like, oh, brilliant. Three and a half days a week at union and I'll be an actor. And it was like, well, no, but that gives you loads of time to get involved in theater outside, get involved in acting classes to get off your back and do, do yeah. stuff. So I was doing quite a bit of like theatre outside in Manchester. Um, and then, yeah, Hollyoaks, that was amazing. And I remember there was an acting class and I remember someone going, oh, that's it, you've made it. And I'm like, no, I've got a job for six months. And I mean, it's, it's very dangerous. Just stay down. I just want to, we can carry on recording. I just want to check something that's on. Oh. Yeah, it's all right. I just want to make sure the lights are on as well. It's all, it's <laughs> yeah, it's so dangerous. To, I mean, not say that. I know you, you wouldn't be the type of person to say that, but to believe that, oh, you've made it. Well, oh, this is the this is the stepping stone. This is the start of it. This is the training ground. I was talking uh, the other week about uh, rep theatre, and it's not there anymore because that was such a training ground for so many actors starting out. But when I started out, certainly doing telly, the the sort of rep telly training ground was the bill. It was casualty, you know, yep. it was Holby, it was Hollyoaks. Yep. Yep. So that's, it's interesting that you say that you learned so much because for those people not in the industry who are listening, let's say, a, what would you say a normal page count of a quote unquote normal television programme would be? Four, four, to, four, four, to, four, four to, to five? Yeah, six yeah. is a lot. Six, six yeah. would be a lot. Yeah. So... Do you remember what kind of page count you're looking at on Hollyoaks? Like 15. Yeah. <laughs> it's silly, yeah. So that shows well, be, you. And, and you'd be shooting, like, you'd be shooting a few different episodes at once. And then they might be like, oh, something's changed. Here's an episode and we're shooting this today. So you actually have to, um, yeah, just be able to. And, and I think it uh, helped with speed of stuff because then, you know, later on doing doing some, you know, doing dra- drama when you get to that, oh, it's only four, it was almost like, oh, this is, uh, I don't want to say easy, Craig. No. It was, uh, you know, there was, a, it, it, it was, there was a preparation that I'd had before that, that enabled you to, whether that is learning your, oh God, learn your, how do you learn your lines? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not Gordon Smart. <laughs> I was just going to, I was going to do that as well. Gordon Smart, who asked Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> how do you learn your fucking lines? Um, but yeah, kind of, and I remember that going, that's it, you've made it. And you're like, you've never made, I mean, what even is made it? No, no. I'm, just, I'm doing a job for six months. And I remember going back to uni after that, because I wanted to finish this course. What were you doing at uni? Performing arts. Right. Um, and I don't know, I, again, not that a performing arts degree will help you in this industry, but I, I guess I'd started it. No one really had. And again, you just, you just, there's more 
tools to put in your backpack. It's just about gaining the knowledge. The, the thing is, we never stop learning, do we? No. On, on any jobs. No. You take away a handful of things from every single job, yeah. whether that's, uh, you know, a relationship with somebody and that can be a bit in front or behind of the camera. Yeah. And it, it informs and helps you in every step of the way. I really believe that. I think it was also just one of those things that I'd, I'd started it and I wanted to finish it. And, um, you know, no one, no one in my family had been to uni, not that performing arts is a proper <laughs> degree, but I just, I just had this thing that I wanted to finish it. And then I went back for, to finish the final year, got another job. So I left to, to, to do this other job. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, coming back to that, that, that kind of, I guess the first kind of no thing, there was um, a couple of jobs that were, that were, that I'd been in to see for that were going to be like regular. And I guess at this point you're just going, oh, well, I don't know. You just take what comes up and you don't really, it's difficult to plan that far ahead. Yeah. Um, so there was two serial dramas that were um, potential, you know, they weren't, they, they weren't at the offer stage, but I'd been in and it was like looking like that. And then I read a script and I remember reading this script and this was the first time. And I guess at that point, you know, you're reading bits of that equate to your experience or what you've done or, and this was um, a three part drama. Um, did I, would I have known he was in it at the point? I think, yeah, I think I did it. It was going to be Stephen Graham and Jimmy Nesbitt and I read this script and for the first time, because I've, you know, been reading whatever, whether, you know, the Hollyoak stuff or, you know, just the little bits of little characters. So this, but this was like, you know, a lead and it was a, you know, brilliant script by Peter Bowker. And I remember reading it and absolutely bawling my eyes out. And it was like, it was a moment of going, wow, I, I didn't know that, that this. Didn't know it was like I this. I didn't know it could be like this. Yeah. This was the first thing that I'd read actually that you go, fuck, that really did something to me. And I'm like in bits here, what's going on? And I remember at that time just going, oh, well, if this this can do this to me, then that's hopefully going to have, you know, a better effect on people that are watching this. Not that, you know, there's everything has a purpose. And um, I remember these, these, these other two jobs that was kind of still due to go back in. And I remember calling my agent at the time saying, uh, I'd like, I want to pull out of that. And I guess, you know, there was, there was a minute because, you know, I didn't start acting or even have the idea till I was 25. Right. So at that point, a lot of my mates, uh, you know, they've got their shit together. They've got their job there. Uh, they've got a career, they're married and got a house. And I hadn't at this point. And you're thinking, right, well, if I just roll on to do this, then yes, you can, you can, I can be earning regularly, whereas the, you know, dramas, that's not going to be as regular, but no, very much. <laughs> it was down to just going, well, I think the, the impact that this has had on me, that's more fulfilling. And I, I, you know, there's no right or wrong path. There's no, it's so hard, isn't it? To, to go, right, this is the, the, the path I want to go. But I just remember at that, at that point going, right, I'm going to pull out of, of that. And at, the, at this point I didn't even have this job. This was just, I'd not even been in for the meeting. Yeah. So I went in for the meeting, had a meeting, um, and then it kind of went quiet and you're like, oh God, should I what, have? What have I done? Should I have gone back in? <laughs> and then uh, I think it was like six weeks later or something, I went back in. Wow. And then it went quiet again. And then that came off and I got that job. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, I think that was, that was, that was like a. I think that was a real turning point. I think there? so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that, that show came out, that won a BAFTA. 
And then um, off the back of that, I guess the first kind of meeting that I'd had off the back of that was for Luther. And then, um, yeah, had a meeting, thought, right, oh, that's gone well. I might They might ask me to come back in. And I, I remember both the, the, the director and producer had said, oh, we've just seen Occupation, which was this this, right. this job that I, I, I'd just done. And um, it was almost like, I don't know whether that was my, at least I'd, I'd done something then to, to prove yourself or that was like, oh, you've done whatever. Because then a week later, when I thought, oh, we're going to go back in, it was like, no, they want to offer you the part. I'm like, oh, shit, right, oh. Wow, okay. isn't, it, isn't it interesting that it, you look at that, that first script that really touched you and did something to you, affected you emotionally, and you had to wait all that time. Yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden... You're in one, one audition, one week, it's job offer. Yeah. There's, it just doesn't happen like that but, at all, but, does but, it, all the time? No, and, and st- you know, that was that particular job. It doesn't mean now that, oh, right, everything now you hear a week on, because it's all relative, isn't it? And now you Absolutely. kind of pushing on, and then there are still things that you go, oh, this, this, I really like this, or, you know, or it goes quiet and you don't hear. Um, but, yeah, then I think it was just around about that time I had just I had just moved to London um kind of changed agents after occupation how um, did you feel about because I want to come on to I do want to come on to Luther later on that's quite a specific point actually but how did you feel about leaving the northwest and coming to London were you told oh this is where you should be or did you just feel a natural pull just was like a natural thing. Like I said, started, you know, done a few acting classes in Manchester. That's where I started off. Did a load of theatre in Manchester, like pub theatre, just yeah. anything to get experience. And Which you know, I suppose that was kind of quite rep as well for you. Yeah, yeah. I remember the, the there was a point kind of alongside uni, you were doing shows in uni, then there was a particular show at uni that one of the um, tutors was doing outside of uni in, in, a, in a festival. Um, but then there was like a, a, there was a period when I, and, and like going to acting classes and you're meeting people at acting classes and like-minded and they're, oh, I've written this and we're doing a thing. And I remember like doing almost like not rep, but it was rep. Cause I remember there was a, a particular point where I was doing like three plays or I was doing a play rehearsing for another play and did like three in quick succession. That's great training. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it, I guess even then, you know, you don't really know what you do i mean i still do i know what i'm doing i don't know um, no i don't do you think we ever know what we're completely wholeheartedly know exactly what we're doing i hope not i, I, I don't think not. so i hope not as well yeah, i think if we get to that point might as well just stop yeah yeah i remember that one of the first bits of theater doing i was doing um kind of waking up in the morning and going right it's tonight and it, and Everything, I guess everything, at the time I wouldn't have known this and years down the line you look back and go, oh, and, and I just remember it was it was like waking up because like when I used to fight before acting and it was like the same kind of feeling and then getting to the theatre and getting to the to the, the stadium or the, the wherever you're fighting, that was the same. Then the audience coming in, the crowd coming in and then, um, you know, even the buzz after fighting, uh that was the same as like coming off stage. I remember there was a, there was a minute, right, we're going to do a warm up. And I remember did a show at the comedy store in Manchester. And I'm, I, after I heard warm up and I'm in the corner, shadow box. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm like, I'm warm, warm, warm up. up. That's, like, that's what I do as, as, a, as a warm up. Yeah. 
so there were there were quite a few similarities and and I wondered you know I'd often and I guess even still you go oh, should I have gone to drama school it should I have done this and I've kind of no everything happens as it's supposed to happen and everyone's yeah. different and everyone's path's different and what I didn't have going to drama school I had you know having a professional fighting career for 10 years and traveling around the world the world and um Which I think I'm, even we haven't even got there yet no no Warren, we I told you it was going to be pinball I that's exactly yeah. what I wanted to but before that can we just jump back to to school life because I'm interested in where the possibility for you of acting came from yeah um how was school life School was all right. I um, again, I look back in hindsight. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember that in even like in junior school, doing a couple of school plays, and for some reason, always getting like getting lead parts. But you know, never in a million years do you think of it as a as a as a job. Um, and then going off to high school, um, went to a couple of different high schools. Our first high school shut down. It was like it's quite a rough high school. Uh, and then we all went to another school and, um, yeah, I remember, and obviously I've got mates from both schools now still, but yeah. there was a moment when our high school, uh, was, was people went off to different schools and a, a large majority of our year then went off to this other school and it was like, oh, the, the rough kids are coming to our school. They're going to ruin our school. Um, but yeah, school was, um, school was all right. And then, I think, you know, looking back and going, right, where the, where the possibilities and how did you get into it? And it's only much later that you look back. And um, I think I was, I was what you would call a late developer. And I was uh, really small for my age until I was uh, quite, until I was like in early 20s, probably. So I guess, you know, when trying to navigate school, you're either tough or or funny and i guess i was uh funny so it was kind of um is it a defense mechanism so uh, welcome to my therapy sessions i mean uh, I, I certainly used it as a defense mechanism. yeah I, I, uh, and throughout school again i'm jumping i, I guess it, yeah it was often like oh yeah he can do his work but he's quite distracting to other people um loves a chat which which i've actually heard loads on this podcast it's like similar <laughs> yeah similar, a lot of people and they get you go oh great great that's, yeah, yeah. Oh, good we're all good. Yeah, yeah yeah and i think you know um that was yeah just just kind of entertaining and even again looking looking back now going on uh remember going away with 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 our family on holidays and it was always about seven you know different couples and their kids and i remember always just being a clown and uh, always like imitating people or like taking the mic or pretending to be the the guy, the Spanish guy doing the pedlos and making all the adults laugh. And again, you don't see it at the time, but you're like, oh, they're laughing at this. Oh, this is so it kind of enjoying that. Um, and I guess that's something that yeah, throughout school, throughout even work, when it when I've had a load of proper jobs, but I had a particular job in an office where. Um, you know, we were on the phones and it was like super mixed age group. I, I might have been one of the youngest there, probably. Yeah. Um, but even getting off the phone and then doing impersonations of the people that everyone in the office knew and making everyone in, in the office laugh. But again, still, it was never, um, never a thought at that point. Do you think there was a case of wanting to please at that age, even though we couldn't really sit down and think, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to people please? 
but that's what you were doing because you were getting, you were already getting an audience. You were getting a bit. I guess so. Yeah. Whether, whether you know at the time. Yeah. Make, I don't think even, even as, as a, as a kid making adults laugh, there's something there. You, you're not able to process it, I guess, but yeah, there's, there's something there. And, um, I think there's a certain, some, there's a bit of power there about taking a bit of power back yeah. because we're making the elders laugh. Yeah. And we're the yeah. ones that are supposed to listen, but now it's the elders that are listening to yeah. us. Yeah. There's something quite yeah. powerful about that. And then, you know, even from having the idea of going, right, this is now something I want to pursue and looking back again, and it keeps coming back to like the, the tie boxing, but that was a performance in a way, you know, you, you, you put in the work, you, you get to the, to, to the place that you're fighting at. And again, I fought all over the world, but that it was, was essentially a stage and there was a crowd and people were there. And, yeah. Um, so how did we get there? How did, cause you mentioned before about being at school, bit saying well you could either be the tough one the ones the one that would fight and that's school life or you could be the funny one you could be the one that was the distracting one yeah how did you get into being the fighting one uh how did that happen um everything's by accident it was um all the all all the best things yeah i was yeah going through school didn't no, I've done a little bit of act, little a couple of school plays that were nothing. That did one play in sixth form. Yeah, um, but around about the time I think it was fifteen, my best mate from from back home, um, he was into jujitsu. Excuse me, and um, they had just started in the same place that he trained uh, a Thai boxing class, and he just said to me one day. I'm going to start this Thai boxing. Do you want to come? So, and you'd never I'd done anything never, like that before. Uh, I'd done a little bit of karate when I was super young, um, but didn't didn't for a few years, and then didn't nothing nothing kind of came of that. And then I guess I'd, I'd played all sorts of sports at school, um, but was not particularly great. You know, I'd had a go and played for the school teams, or whatever in in the in the old school because that was the rough school. It was yeah. super small, so you could you could get on <laughs> get on the teams there. But then when we moved schools, wasn't on any of the. Don't think um, just hadn't really found that thing that you, you a love and then either, whether you've got a, a natural ability, but then that that you go all oh, right. This is what I want to do. And I, I remember going to Thai boxing and um, something just kind of clicking quite quick. And being like, oh, this is, oh, this is something new, something different, but something just sparked, I guess, inside. But you didn't feel intimidated going in there for the first time. No, no, no I don't think I did. And I, and it turned out I was I was all right at it for at the start, and then um, then that became a passion, and uh, I guess then then you put everything into it, and then kind of slowly but surely, then you start after a year, you know, competing and. Were you, were you told at a certain point you've got a natural ability for this, or did you feel you had a natural ability, or was it something that you had to work very hard at? Um, I think, I mean, yeah, you're certainly encouraged by the coaches and stuff, but um, I guess just just knowing, oh, I'm I'm quite good at this, and obviously I was would have been like the smallest in the gym of the adults yeah. fighting, so you you kind of holding your own with like much bigger fighters. Um, Remember, even like sort of, yeah, started at 15, 16, started fighting 16, 17, 18, still being like tiny, but you know, you'd have all sorts of like dormant and stuff in, in the gym and, and, and 
battering doorman when you're like tiny <laughs> just because you like faster and uh, obviously if they get older you, you, you've had it but yeah. in this kind of discipline of fighting um and then I guess it was just yeah starting to to compete and winning and then starting to win titles that you go oh actually yeah, I'm kind of all right did, did you enjoy it as a discipline as a focus absolutely, not just for yeah. your body but also for your mind absolutely um and I, I, again I guess you know the these kind of these conversations weren't around, I guess, at that point, whether I knew at that point, yeah, the training and the discipline were good for your mental health. Probably wouldn't have known that, but at that time, See, I'm just... I, yeah, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I don't think um, mental health was, was spoken about no, at no, all, was it? Oh no, but for me, it was just something that was, yes, you had the discipline. Um, it was super fit. So, so you, you know, you feel good mentally and physically. Yeah. Um, and then just, I guess, you know, fighting and then starting to, 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 to win and get to a, a particular level. Um, do you remember the first professional fight you had? I do. Talk me through being backstage, walking through the audience. Tell me if I'm wrong about this, but obviously I'm just thinking yeah. about all the boxing films. Yeah. Been. Backstage, you get in wrapped up, mm-hmm. you're ready to go in, you walk through... You hear the roar of the crowd, the heat changes, your body changes, the temperature changes. Yeah. Obviously, I don't know, your heart rate must be going up. How do you keep yourself grounded knowing that you've got to get in that ring and yeah. do what you've got to do? Yeah. I, I do, I remember it. I remember all the fights, um, but I particularly remember the first one because um, I think at 16 and being super small for my age, it was like quite hard to actually get fights because I was probably the weight of a 12 year old, Right, but I had to fight 16 year old. And, um, this particular fight, I remember going, it was in uh, a place called the Springfield hotel in North Wales. And, uh, there was a, a lad from, from round that way, but he was like seven kilos heavier and he was like 16, 17. Um, but it was the only way I was going to get a fight was to fight someone who was, heavier yeah um and i remember yeah going out there and hopefully show what you're capable of yeah, yeah yeah and um and winning that fight and then just the feeling afterwards was like nothing else i'd ever what experienced is that feeling i don't because I, don't. I know you you're a lovely guy and you wouldn't really want to hurt you wouldn't want to hurt anybody but Knowing what you've done, I mean, was this a knockout or? Uh, this was just on points. Just this, on this points. But still, you've, you've, you've hurt somebody. Well, yeah. And, he, you know, he was he was a, a lot heavier, like or kind of further down the line. You wouldn't yeah. give away that. That's like a ridiculous amount of weight to give away. But just at that point that it was difficult to get fights until I started growing a little bit later on. Um, but I think it's just down, you know, that's what you train for and then you, what you... I guess by that point started to dedicate my life to. Um, and then, yeah, that just what you just put that together in the ring. And um, so emotionally you don't feel any sort of connection to your opponent at all. Uh, is that, is that, would that be part of the mental? I mean, I, I get in, in, in a, in an ideal world. Yeah. I would obviously at the beginning, I, I guess you don't, but, and, and again, everyone's different. You see that with, with kind of combat, sports now you know yeah. some people are super chilled some people like to you know get in the in the heads of their opponents and act up and um um you know it's ultimately it's it's, it's a fight but you know even now you know combat sports is is huge now and to the to pe- 
to people that are not fans just think it's fighting. Whereas, you know, the way I would look at kind of Thai boxing then, it was, it's, it's like chess, but violent chess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's violent chess. <laughs> it is. Because it it's not, it is, you right. can't just go out there and, 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 and I've seen it and probably suffered it myself of sometimes when you let your emotions get the better of you and you're like, right, come on. Or you'd, you'd see people like in the changing before screaming and it's like, no, you've got to really keep your head about you and be relaxed. And, um, and were you always of that mindset throughout, throughout all the career, all the fights? Um, for the most part. And then, you know, throughout that journey, there'll be certain fighters that then there is something personal or there's something going and then that's like a rivalry or whatever. Then it's, then it's difficult, di- different, but. Is it difficult to sort of rise to that when you're, when you're with an opponent that's sort of jeering and getting in your face or do you, or is it, does that make it easier for you to stay grounded and calm? Um, I remember kind of throughout that fighting career that I got thrown in at the deep end quite a lot. And um, like I remember there was a particular fight and there was a guy called Leroy Atkinson who, when I first started at like 15, 16, 17, I'd watch him fight. He was from Manchester uh, and he was amazing. He was, you know, he was a bloke and he was one of my idols when I first started the sport. And then fast forward a few years and then I get a phone call and it's like, right, you've got a fight against against him. No. And it was like, shit, I'm fighting like someone that I used to, well, I did idolise. Yeah. Did, but obviously now it's like, right, I've got to go and fight this person. So do you have to put what, what you've, feel and felt about that fighter to one side. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, you're going to get in the ring and ultimately yeah. he's going to um, try and kill you. Well, not kill you, no, but, but try and do you serious damage. Yeah. You've got to, you know. Um, and, and that was often the case, you know, fights that it's like, oh, shit, this is going to be like, you got really up front. It was a couple of occasions, you know, I, I lost a few fights and a few of those losses were, were opponents that, I guess was I in my head was like, oh, this is, this is easy. This and you don't get up for it, and you right. And it probably might have been the opposite way around for them going, oh, I'm fighting such and such, and um, you know, a couple of fights that I went into, not out of my depth, or me thinking not that I wasn't, um, you know, in at the deep end. So you, I guess, yeah, un- underestimate someone, and you don't get up for it because you think, oh, this is going to be easy, and then you you come unstuck yourself. Well, I suppose you can take that into. Uh, acting as well. Definitely. Because Definitely. if you have a slope into a job thinking, oh, it's going to walk in the park, I don't need to see it. And we see them, we've worked with them, we see them all the yeah. time. They come on, they're not prepared. Yeah. They haven't yeah. learned the lines. You've got a few, few rules. Turn up on time. Yeah. Know your lines. Yeah. Don't be a cunt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let you say that. That's all right. It's yeah. not my words. That's the words of the great Kathy Burke. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was that, that discipline. And, and again, you know, years later when I was having this crazy idea that I wanted to, to pursue that. And then at times thinking, I've not got the tools or I haven't done this or I've not done that. I kind of, again, look back and go the discipline and the commitment that I had for, you know, finding something that you love doing and going, right. Everything gets poured into it. Every fiber of you being, um, and so committed, worked so hard to get to the level that I got to. Um, and I guess I was able to, you know, when I stopped fighting to pursue acting and often you hear, you know, it, it was, it was professional, but it wasn't, you know, it's not, it was, it's, 
a lot bigger now, but it was certainly not big enough to be making a substantial living. So you'd be getting a few quid, but not enough. You know, we, everyone was, we were still working. So you were also trying to, you know, work a day job, train of an evening, or tra- train in the morning, go to work, train of an evening. Um, so you probably have no social life to speak of during then if you were sort of... Yeah, I guess, yeah, my, that became my life. And that was, I guess, how, you know, you only get into something what you put out, right? Yeah. And I put everything into it. And that was my life, you know, anytime we were, you know, training, training of a weekend. Um, and so did you make a conscious decision to end that part of your life and that part of that career to move forward? Yeah, and, you know, there was a bit of a crossover. Um, we so started training in Warrington and then a few years down the line, a few few of our fighters left to go and train at another gym in Manchester. And uh, we'd train and then on a Friday night after training, we'd go to a sauna uh, at a leisure centre near the gym. And there was... Uh, a load of dudes in this sauna that we got chatting to. It's not going to go down down that that way. I don't know about you. Like, <laughs> it's my listening face, right, it's my listening okay. face. Okay, and uh, we just got all all the fellas in in this sauna. We'd see every week when we'd go after after training, and uh, from all walks of life, and we'd have a crap with them. And there was one particular fella who was pretty much like a professional extra. Did like background work. Yeah. And I was chatting to him about that and uh, again, never, never didn't know anything really about it. It was like, oh, that sounds quite interesting. And he gave me the like name of this agency that he was with. Um, it was called Janet Howe in Stoke. I don't know why I've, done, I've literally just remembered that. Never given yeah. any thought. That's me, me and Eileen Bilton. Yeah. Warrington. Yeah. Um, so I was like, fuck it. Let me, I'll just have a look at what, what, whatever this is. Yeah you know, you'll get hundred quid a day or something just for going to sitting in the background and doing nothing. And uh, so I signed up with this agency, um, got penciled in to do something on a particular, particular day. I'd actually then that weekend was away in Finland fighting and uh, came back and I had stitches and a black eye and my face was smashed in. A bit. <laughs> so I got back home and I thought, all right, I'm not going to be able to go and do this, this thing. So I called them up and I said, listen, I've got a black eye and stitches. And they were like, yeah, no, you won't be able to do it. Oh. No worries. All right, goodbye. About 15 minutes later, the phone goes, actually, we've got a job for you. Uh, go to Pebble Mill in Birmingham tomorrow. There's a show called Doctors. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be fine. <laughs> be perfect yeah. for him. Yeah. So I went went off to, to, uh, to Pebble Mill, again, with not having any clue. Um, turned up sat there waiting to go in, shitting myself. And everyone's like, you don't do it. You're literally going to be sat in the background. And then they, in between scenes, come in to go, right, who can we, oh, you with the eye. Hello. Come here. Yeah. Um, and then literally we're supposed to just do a scene where we walk down the stairs, I left, and then the actual scene started. And I remember the the actress at the time, or, or, or as we were doing this, like ad-libbed and just went, next time be more careful. And I was like, yeah, well, thank you. Walked out. Then they did the actual scene of few yeah. minutes. Then, if, then they cut and the director was like, what did he say then? I was like, oh, shit, sorry. He was like, no, no, just speak up a bit. And I was like, oh, hello. 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 <laughs> um, and, and yeah, that was the first, and, and obviously that happened and there was that moment. But actually what really happened was being on a set for the first time 
and yeah. seeing behind you know when you're watching tv and you see two people there actually that's there's hundreds of people and something was just like I, I guess a little bit like like tie boxing you know something just clicked and this this day when i went to do this something just happened and i was like ah and then carried on doing a bit more extra work um to the point that, you know, they would ring up and go, are you available? And I'm like, yep. Yeah. And then I'd be ringing in work sick the next day going, oh, I don't feel well. I started acting already. <laughs> I don't feel well. And I'd go off and do whatever it was. And it was all sorts of, you know, great Manchester drama. And again, you know, you'd, many jobs you'd go in in the morning, do a scene in the morning. They're like, right, uh, we only need two people to stay and everyone just wants to leave. And yeah. right, I'll take my 100 quid, 60 quid, whatever it was. And I was always like, oh, I'll stay because I've, I was just kind of having it, just learning and occasionally would just get asked, oh, just say, you just say this, you just say that. The drama school was already starting, Warren. It was starting, yeah. Um, and then I remember doing, what did I do? No way, this is going to come. I love them. Yeah. Uh, I did a thing in Blackpool. Did you? And it was, it was a, I think it was a TV show about, you know, they do them neighbours from hell and yeah. it was tourists from hell. Oh yeah, they'll be in Blackpool. And it, there, was a, there was a story about some people that stayed at a and b and beat up the owner of the B&B. Oh God, yeah. Um, so we went to do this like recreation uh, and it was like quite a bit of ad-libbing and just, you know, just do this. And then remember the, 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 the producer director who was doing this recreation was like, what do you do? And I said, oh, you know, I'm a... I'm a Thai boxer, but I'm actually, by this point now, I'm, I'm sort of starting to think that maybe I want to have a go. And she was like, yeah, well, you know, you need to go to drama school. You need to, you know, get a contemporary piece, get a classical piece. Um, and well, uh, I guess you were here to talk about the whole, because I've got like reams on this. Oh, yeah. So ended up, yeah, doing more and more extra work and just getting out. Oh, just say this, just say that. And then we started, uh, there was an acting class in Manchester. So I went to this acting class uh, and it was in the same building as um, Beverly Keogh and David Shaw. Yeah, up at Ardwick. Uh, I think it was even before it was at Ardwick, it was on, was it Princess Street? Oh, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started there, then they moved to Ardwick. So they were right in town? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was attached to an agency and we'd go to this acting class um, but it also meant that occasionally the, the, you know, David or Beverly would, would see people. I remember one, one particular day wasn't going to go and you're like, Oh God, I'll just go. And then as I was leaving David Shaw being like, get that lad back here. It's like, what, what are you doing tomorrow? Come for this audition. And that was for shameless and, right. um, and it kind of snowballed from there. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Let's just start with Shameless, but how was that first audition for that? How did you feel about going in? Was it... Were you able... Do you know how you were walking into the ring, even if whatever fight, first fight, second fight, you were able to ground yourself and keep everything calm? Are we there when there's a camera in front of you for the first time and they're asking you to read these lines? Do you know what? Because this was, like, the first thing I'd ever auditioned for, I probably didn't even... And you don't understand, and obviously he's going, you look like a scally. We're coming to, you know, you're auditioning to play a scally, so I'm essentially playing myself, which you do for... Or certainly for the most part of the early work, it's yeah. right, you're a scrot, you're going to play loads of scrotes for a bit. Um, so I, I don't think... And also, I didn't understand the business at this point, you know, so there was no kind of pressure. I think it's kind of further down the line when you do start working, right. you're like, oh, actually then what this means, or, you know, especially when you've gone, right, I'm going to give up this to try and pursue that. Um, yeah, once you're all in, the stakes, yeah, the stakes yeah. become very yeah. high, don't they? Yeah. But um, I think I think it's just, yeah, that that was that. And then... I think it's just just knowing that you're, I don't know, doing things that you, on on a path, this is, I'm going to get wanky now, but kind of getting to a point where you're like, I think that I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Oh, the wankometer's just. No, it hasn't. Um, Even to the point, and this this is like a a long convoluted story, but there was a particular bit of extra work that I did. um, And there was a show called The Second Coming with Christopher Eccleston. Oh, yeah. And they were, there was a particular scene that he performed a, a miracle at um, Man City's old stadium. So there was two days. We did like a, a night a, a night, and then a day and then over these two days so they could turn it from night to day in, in the thing. So there's hundreds and hundreds of extras. And so by this point, I'm, you know, I've been doing extra work and I've just started this acting class. And... Um, you know, loads of extras want to get into it. Loads are just happy just going up, doing their little bit. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. I remember chatting to a lad um, there throughout these, these on, the, on the first day. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going off to drama school. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm now starting to think that I might want to have a go at this. Yeah. And then he, you know, said the same thing that I'd kind of, I'd heard, yep, you need to go to drama school. You need to get your classical. You need to get your contemporary piece. I'm like, okay. Um, Anyway, on the second day, again, hundreds of extras, so you're not bumping into the same people. And I bumped into this this lad again, and he says, uh, oh, mate, here you go. He said, it is the, the, the book that I use, is the, and it was Coriolanus. Right. And he said, this is what I use for my classical pieces, and you can have it, because now I'm going to drama school. I was like, oh, mate, thank you very much. Put it into a bag, never, ever looked at it. Um, kind of then more extra work carried on, then, then uh, the, the acting classes, then... Uh, shameless then auditioned for drama school in Manchester didn't get in because I didn't know what the hell I was doing and also Uh, let's just pause a minute because you were given guidance to go to drama school by a few different people at this mm -hmm. point and also at that time I think I'm right in saying street casting and things like that it wasn't really a thing because I always cite people like Thomas Turgoose, who was just mm. blocked from obscurity for doing that and being paid to go and audition. Things like that weren't around at the time. So the natural 
the natural progression, the natural way was to go to drama school because there wasn't any other outlet. There wasn't another avenue. I think so. But, you know, even going to this acting class and people like David Shaw and Beverly Keogh who yeah. kind of spotted me, first of all, that was, I guess, not right off the street because you go into a class. But no. There was that. Um, but there was a minute where, and again, this this time, I, timeline jumps around all over the shop, but fr- from this acting class, then we... So I'm going to the acting class and there's a group of people each time in your class and you go for a drink with them afterwards. And um, and there was a girl I quite liked at this class who I ended up then seeing and she was at Salford University doing performing arts. So I kind of started seeing shows um, and then, as I say, didn't get into drama school, auditioned for Salford, got into Salford. So then I went went there and... um, yeah this this kind of is a bit all over the shop there was then so then i go to salford uni i'm at uni for about a year i nip home for the weekend to see my folks and uh i find a box of books in my room and uh there was a few uh some some plays that a mate had given me because there was there was a lad that i um a lad I knocked about an old mate who was also looking at maybe going to drama school um I've just had another God, this is this therapy is wonderful. It's good, isn't it? There was, there and, it was a, and it's free. There was a minute there was a minute where uh and I was still fighting and he used to come and watch my my fights and uh he'd he'd auditioned for drama school, hadn't heard anything, and I remember ringing him up one day and pretending to be from the drama school. Oh Warren. I know. I've I literally I've just I've not thought about this for years. And I remember ringing him going, hi, right, putting on whatever acting again. Going, ah, oh, yeah, it's from such and such from wherever drama school. And uh, just wondering if you could come back in this Saturday. And he was like, yeah, 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 no no problem. Yeah, brilliant. Oh. And I was like, you're absolutely sure you could make it on Saturday. You've got nothing else planned. And he's like, no, 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 absolutely. I come out. And he was like, I knew I was fighting on this particular day. <laughs> you're definitely sure you, you're not, you're not going to see any of your friends tie boxing or anything. And he's like, what? And then he realized, oh, oh you bastard. Um, Anyway, he'd sack that off and he, at one point he'd give me, give me a load of plays. So I found this box and I'm like, right, well, now living in Manchester, I should probably take these with me. And I also found Coriolanus, this book that... Oh, that, that he'd given the, you at the... The, 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 the other guy. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like I say, this, the timeline's all over the shot. I'd never, ever looked at it. And I opened up this book and um, starts flicking through it and it gets to the middle and there's a, a photograph in the middle Um of, of the of the lad who was doing the extra work, who was going off to, I think it was East 15 or wherever he was going. Um, and I'm like, oh, obviously, you know, when you, when you lend something to someone, you go, oh, there's that, oh, I'll just take that out and put it in your pocket. And he never did that. He just gave me this book he didn't realise. I carried on flicking through the book. And in the back of the book, there was, um, there was a, a handwritten letter. And I started reading this letter. And I'm like, no way. And I recognised the handwriting. And it was like, dear to this lad it's been great working with you at such and such theatre workshop da, 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 da. lots of love and I was like no fucking way and I knew before it got to the end um, the, it was a handwritten letter from the girl that I was seeing from the acting class so to put it weirdly in perspective I had in my possession a letter from someone that I hadn't met yet that I would then end up meeting at an acting class oh. and then start going out with I mean the story would be amazing if it was like, and that's how I met your mother. But, <laughs> but that, that's not, that was, it was actually, uh, it was actually like coming to an end at this point. 
but the, the bunk, like the picture wasn't him and her, but it was him. And yeah. Like going back to uni and saying, do you know this person? And she was like, yeah, I used to be at this theater workshop with him years ago. And I'm like, and I know the answer to this, but that's your handwriting, isn't it? And she'd like written this letter just saying, oh, good luck with everything. Wow. So just like weird things that, that kind of kept happening that you go, Oh, that's weird. All you know, little signs. Yeah. Were, uh... Aside from the fact, you know, you're just, you're making a decision going, I love this and this is what I want to do. And this is what I wanted to pursue. And yeah. uh, I guess the long spin off from the, I don't know what the original question was, was, um, yeah. Then having spent 10 years giving everything to, to tie boxing and also knowing, you know, I, I didn't do it as it, it wasn't a, a career financially, but you know, I got to travel the world. I've, yeah. I've won a couple. I've achieved a couple of things. Um, but I also always knew I needed to get into. Uh, you needed to get a career, um, or you know, just find something else. That I knew it wasn't going to last forever. So then, when I started having this idea, I knew it wasn't going to be. You can't just decide you want to do it, and and then it happens. It was like I I was very aware of of you know what I had to put into put in. tie boxing to get to where I got to. to yeah. So if I was going to give this a shot and um, you're all in, you've got to go all in. You can't just half ass do it. And, you know, I knew it was, it was not going to be easy and it wasn't guaranteed, but I wanted to give it my best shot. So at least if it didn't work out, you go, all right, well, I tried, but it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, uh, as opposed to, you know, not having a shot and uh, not, not giving it a shot and not, not getting it anywhere. So I remember, yeah, going into, to see the boss of, uh, I was working at a company while I was tie boxing and it was like, I got the MD used to come to the gym. And, uh, so he was pretty cool. Cause he would let me come in late if I was training in the morning, then I'd go to work and then he'd, you know, sponsor me and stuff. I remember going into his office one day and saying like, um, listen, I'm, I'm leaving. I want to, I want to be an actor. And, uh, and he was, it actually was, was really great about it. Didn't, didn't, because I remember telling me mum and dad for the first time and that was like, that didn't go down well. What did, well, what, just because just they didn't have a clue. They're just no. like, what? And it was almost like, what, are you going to stop getting your head punched in to go and try and do this? <laughs> Why would you do um, that? And uh, yeah, and he was like, all right, great, yeah. And, uh, you know, he'd been supportive of the tie boxing and then again in a weird kind of full circle moment a few years ago, I was in LA and this MD has since gone off and lives in America working for another company over there. And we stayed in touch a little tiny bit. Yeah. And, uh, I was in LA and he, he was, he said, Oh, I'll come and see you. And he came with his son. I remember he, when we were at work, him having, he had twins and I remember them being babies because all children are babies at some point, Warren. <laughs> you idiot. Uh, but he turned up with his son who was like eight, 19, 20. Oh my God. Um, and just having a bit of a catch up and he's, and he, and he was all, he said, yeah, I remember that day. And he said, I actually tell this story a lot. Like when he's doing his work stuff that you know, I remember you coming in and saying, I'm going to leave because this is what I want to try and do. Yeah. Uh, That's extraordinary. That's uh, so lovely. Yeah. That was, that was a lovely moment. And um, yeah, it's just, I guess just blagging it. Uh, I think. Well, to think to a greater or less like, no, yeah, I, need, I need to stop. I need to stop that. It, often you, you, you talk about, and I know it was accidental that I got into it, but from the minute that I went, right, this is what I want to do, then you do absolutely everything you can yeah. on whatever route and with whatever you've got yeah. to, try and, to try and get to. We spoke about control before or lack 
thereof. Now, how did you feel when you're in a well-loved show, a very popular show, you love going to work and you love the character, but then you're told that that character <laughs> isn't going to be in it anymore. We're talking about Luther. We are talking yep. about Luther. Because um, apart from us both being in Warrington, even me for a certain amount of time, that's that's uh, another connection that we have, that yeah. we're both told that it's uh, your, your time's over. How many times have you been killed off? A couple. But I'm talking about one specific. Only one. a couple? Only a couple. I think I've racked a few up now. Oh, I, I, do you know what? Most. I would say I've been, I've been killed off most. I want to get... Um, I want to get a death reel, not a show reel, because I think I've got a good a good few oh, worth of material one. of death reels. Yeah, they tend to go for the head with me quite a lot. I've been shot. I've been yeah. eaten by zombies. I've been you have been eaten by zombies. Impaled on a spike. Um, died of a disease in casualty <laughs> 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 that you didn't see, but he was good in. Um, but no, Luther. Um, how did how was that come about? I remember getting a phone call one day. Um, in fact, yeah, that was, you know, that was the, the first job after occupation to the point. I actually remember having just watched The Wire when I first got that job and I actually had The Wire as my ringtone. You didn't. I'm, honestly, I had The Wire as my ringtone when you walk in the garden. <laughs> and uh, one of the first calls that I got with that ringtone was my agent going, yeah, you've got the part on Luther. So I was like, amazing. Better change that ringtone. Yeah, quick, quick. Um, Anyway, then we did, yeah, we did, I did three seasons of that and it was, uh, it was amazing. Because you loved that job, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. And it's different when you're killed off in a film or a one-off. Or Spoiler alert in... for anyone who's not watched Luther. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's all on BBC iPlayer. Yeah. Not sponsored by BBC yeah. <laughs> But when you feel part of, of a group, of a family, yeah. and you've been together for three years and then that's it. Yeah. Well, I'm, he he rang me one day and he was like, oh, mate, uh, mate, uh, 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 and he was like, I was like, what, what is it like? Just come out. He says, did you not, did you not have any, no, no, no clue. No, no. So this was like, just as we were about to go back for the third season. Um, and he was like, listen, uh, okay, I'm just going to come out of it. And he was like, yeah, they want to, they want to key you off. How do you feel? Like, if you don't want to, I can stop it. And da-da-da. And I was like, oh, and I, yeah, I guess that, that it was a, a shock. And then you start going, have I done something wrong? Oh, and, uh, of course that's the other part of our brain yeah, as actors. Yeah. Oh, what have I said? If I, upset? Yeah. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. They've taken it the wrong way. Or oh, my big stupid yeah. mouth have done something but, wrong. But also it's never that. No. And we chatted and I, you know, I chatted with Idris about it. And obviously he, uh, his character was killed off in The Wire. And that's like, I remember watching The Wire. Again, season three. Yeah, and going, well, that's like a kind of a moment that people still talk about. Absolutely. And also at this point, we thought um, that this was the last series anyway. And uh, so you're like, all right, you might as well go out with a bang yeah. and have it as a moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, kind of made... Well, listen, you don't, you don't have to make peace. If you're told that's what's happening, that's what's happening. Yeah. All right, brilliant. And, and nine times out of ten, I would say, it's it's for the script. It's for the story. Absolutely. It's less, Absolutely. About, Absolutely. It's less about you as a character, certainly nothing to do with you as an actor, and you just have to put the trust in the writer. Absolutely. And, you know, the writer, Neil Cross, when I'd spoken to him, he's like, listen, it's really, this is just what we want to do. And, and, and in... 
drama in television in storytelling it's yeah hopefully by this point the the audience had you know uh, well they were invested yeah they're invested know? and they love this and character it's great that, so, that, so that having something taken away from them that absolutely drama. so that you know that and that was a massive massive moment in yeah it. um it was only after the fact that then they went oh actually no we are going to do some more uh <laughs> oh, shit, you're dead yeah um but but that's still you know it's when was that? I think 2015. Uh, yeah, Justin Ripley was killed off in that. But that's still something that, you know, I'll get messages today or you yeah. see people like, oh, I cried when when Ripley was, was killed. So it's like, well, brilliant. You want to be part of those massive moments. Yeah. And, and I think that massive moment and, you know, certainly my massive moment will be there until yeah. we're, we're in the ground you yeah. know it was one of those things that it keeps coming no back. absolutely and it's actually you you to be thankful for it yeah you know definitely i remember we we went to the luther movie premiere yeah and even the, the, the film was being spoken about from when we did like season one right um and i remember very shortly after the season three when it was still being talked about and Neil Cross saying, no, we're going to do a prequel. We're going to do a prequel. So you're still going to be in the film. So it was like, all right, brilliant. And then, you know, literally, when did this come out? Like, was it this year? Yeah, it was, I think it was this year. So you're like, it's a bit too, not, it's not going to be a prequel. Anyway, I wasn't in the film. But uh, Neil Cross was there and it was great to see him. I've not seen him for a few years. And um, we were chatting to him and he's like, oh man, my biggest regret still is is killing him off. And he's like, well, that's lovely to hear. But yeah. As I say, just to be, you know, that, that particular job and and the fans of that show who still talk about that as a moment, you're like, well, I'd rather be part of, you know, served that bit of the story to to have that reaction. um, You know, I've, I've died in things since and I hopefully, hopefully hopefully we'll die in many things more to come. (laughs) Warren, a few things that I always do on this podcast and I've just got to go over here and get my readers because I'm 47 years old. Wait there. So, we always ask these questions, sometimes at the beginning, sometimes at the end. So I'd like to ask them you now. And you can interpret these any way you like. Sometimes I might be asking 20-year-old Warren, I might be asking... Okay. I can play 35! <laughs> um, Warren, answer young or old Warren, it doesn't matter. A good film or a good book? A uh, good film. Saturday. Do I have to tell you whether that's old? Warren yeah, or yeah. Tell, tell me who is that? Uh, Who's answering that's that? Both, both. Pre- present Warren, uh, good film. Present Warren, Saturday night or Sunday morning? Ooh. What about? Uh, even just a few years ago, Warren would have probably definitely been Saturday night. <laughs> but uh, now I quite enjoy, yeah, Sunday morning. Yeah. What about city shopping or a country stroll? I mean, can I have, I like a little bit of city shopping, but country stroll, country stroll. Yeah. A bit of fresh air, a bit of nature. We're at the theatre, Warren, not we. You are at the theatre. It's not going to plan. Does my agent know I'm at the theatre? <laughs> <laughs> Would you walk out of the interval or sit through it? Uh, I was going to say I'll sit through it, but actually I've walked out. But that was, I walked out of a Hungarian musical. I walked out of uh, Billy Elliot in Hungarian. 
Okay. Billy Elliot was my favourite musical and I'd seen it a few times over here. It must have been terrible. But it was just, well, it just wasn't what we get in the West End. (laughs) It was in Hungarian with subtitles. Subtitles on the stage. I think it is, dear. We we left in the interval. But ordinarily, I think if if I was... So you'd sit it out? In town, I'd sit it out, yeah. Even with, especially when you got friends in, that can be very awkward. I've never... Luckily, I've been to see mates and stuff, including yourself, and it was uh, brilliant, so I didn't have to walk out. But I've seen, actually, we went with a group once to watch someone, and I won't say who, and another person, director, was with us, and he thought it was awful and went left. And then we all met up afterwards, and he came back and was like, oh, yeah, great, great, well in. And I hadn't seen the second half of it. Did he talk about the set? That's that's what you do. Oh, the set was amazing. (laughs) Uh, less ambition or more present, Warren? Um, I think, I think, I think I'm, I have been and am very ambitious, but it's like, it's, it's to a point of going, well, what do you need? What, what do you need to, to be happy to, yeah. to, to be able to go to work and love your job and pay your bills that's kind of all you need, isn't it? Um, so, so many people don't like going to work. So many people like don't like going to work. Like, I got up the other morning at six to get out. We were both leaving the house, and my partner said, you know, this is what normal people have to do every day. And I went, well, yeah, but wait a minute. I'm up sometimes at five o'clock in the morning yeah, to go to work. You can't win those battles, can you? No. Positive or negative? Positive. Always. Yeah, tried my best. True or false, offence is taken, never given. Ooh, I think it's, yeah, it's taken, isn't it? There's nothing funnier than the fool who thinks he's clever. Hang on a minute. Where's, where's, what's the it's question? Just, it's not, it's just a quote. You're just, you're just giving me quotes I'm just now. giving you quotes now. I think it's quite a nice quote. There's nothing funnier than the fool who thinks he's clever. What, are you calling me the fool who thinks I'm he's not, clever? I'm not saying that, mate. Okay. I would have never been uh, rude. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, Maybe we'll save it for what, another one. <laughs> Warren Brown, what an absolute joy. Mate, thank you so much. And uh, I'm glad we got to jump on, albeit five years late, but uh, before be- before it finished, because honestly, I, like again, driving up, to, up and down the country to work or going back up to see... To see folk, this has been one of my staple podcasts. Um, and to listen to people that I've worked with or, you know, hugely respect in the industry and listen to their stories. Uh, and then also listen to people who I haven't met and I don't know and listen to their stories. And then uh, I guess I've got the fear that this will be out there and people will be like, oh, what's that? But ultimately, you know, you can only tell your story and uh, it's not going to be for everyone. And uh, Well, it, this will be, and it's brilliant. All the love. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, mate. And another episode is done. What did I tell you? Great, great company. I love Warren to bits. Um, and there's loads of stuff there that I didn't know about, which is always the way when... You're talking to a friend, it's like, you know, usually there's a few of us out, but it's never just like one-on-one like that. So I really appreciate his time. And I'm quite um, uh, concerned that you may think there's terrible things going on. Do you you hear this? 
that I'm, I'm sat on a leather chair. It's not ideal for recording, just in case you heard something in the intro there. It, it, it was just a leather chair, I promise you. Uh, I haven't let you down, have I? No, exactly. So, next week, we are going with two episodes. I've already recorded one of them. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but you're going to love it. And I think it may jump straight into one of the all-time top favourite episodes. It's with a comedian, that's all I'm going to say. And earlier in the week, you'll hear from an incredible writer that I'm really interested in talking to. Um, I'm going to meet her next week. So, next week, double your two-shot pod, just to get you in that Christmas spirit. They're not Christmassy episodes. But if you're out shopping, or you just feel, maybe you're feeling a bit blue, maybe you need double two-shot in a week, that's good, isn't it? Let's do that. So, I'm going to see you next week for two episodes. Yeah? Yeah. Until then... I've been Craig Parkinson. Oh, 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 forgot to tell you. So last week at the start of Neil Forsyth's episode, do you remember I was talking about the incredible, uh, legendary comedian, Mr. Barry Cryer, and uh, I read a joke from his book that his son, Bob Cryer, wrote. Um, After I got back from my seven-and-a-half-hour car journey today, um... I was just catching up on uh, social media and responding to some people uh, to do with the podcast. And I got a lovely message from Bob. Um, and I think he was made up. So thank you, Bob Cryer, um, for allowing me to to uh, tell that brilliant joke. Uh, the book is fantastic. So I'm really pleased that he enjoyed the episode with Neil Forsyth. Um Yeah, that was all I had to tell you. Right, I'm going to go and have my dinner. So until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson, he's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Only a few more to go. We'll see you for two next week. Take care. That was the leather seat again, promise. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers. Cheers.